0: It's Wednesday, April thirtieth. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris and Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Rule Breaker Simon Erickson. Happy Wednesday, gents. Man, did you How's have to? Going,
1: did you have to like boat in here today?
0: It's it's we're, raining. We're
1: getting a lot of rain. It's cats and dogs.
0: We're getting rain. a lot of rain. But as someone who suffers from spring allergies and the pollen, yeah, that's the silver lining. It just washes all that stuff away. So
1: I like that. See, glass flip- half full guy. I'm I'm
0: trying to be. I'm trying to be. It's good to be a glass half full person on a day like <laughs> you today, need it, don't you? <laughs> when we're about to talk about what's happening with eBay and shares of Panera Bread, uh, let's start with Twitter. Though first quarter earnings actually came in better than expected, but what people are keying on, Jason, the monthly active user number, which Twitter says 255 million. Nice, that's a lot of people. It's still lower. Than people were expecting, and we're starting to see a little bit of a trend in growth that is slowing, and I think that's why the shares are down about ten percent this morning.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, I think that Twitter is very much a story of of expectations versus reality. At least that's what it's been up to today, and it seems like now finally. Expectations are coming back to reality, and I think that a lot of people just felt like when Twitter went public that it should immediately just go to the moon because everything else was going to the moon, and and all of these companies were IPOing, and just you know, the 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 optimism in in the market was was palpable. But uh, you know, I mean, let's let's look at this quarter for what it was. I mean, there were a lot of good metrics there, like you mentioned growth in in users. I mean, ad revenue per thousand views was up ninety six percent versus seventy six percent last quarter uh very similar to the google story they're seeing the the cost per click the cost per ad engagement is down a little bit but that was offset by a higher volume of of ads up 28% and so you know i mean in going through the call last night i have to i have to say i was impressed with management and just focusing on not trying to make excuses you know, to play to that Wall Street expectations game, but rather focusing on the things that they're doing, the investments that they're making. And uh, Dick Costolo, the CEO there, knows that the two main drivers of growth for this company are going to be growing users and and growing engagement. So whether it's fast or slow, I mean, what they're trying to do is make sure that they that they roll out products and services that that users like. Uh, they're keeping ad load low now, so that our experience on Twitter is not riddled with a bunch of advertisements. So they they do have sort of some control to to, to turn on the spigot, so to speak, and, and put more ads out there as as uh, time goes on. But you know, I mean, you look at the the acquisition of Gnip over the quarter. Uh, Twitter is is certainly buying more data to understand more about its users, and I think that that's going to serve them well in the end. It's just this thing got way ahead of itself. So I mean, I think the investors, stock. yeah, exactly. I think investors need to be embracing this. Pull back uh, because it's just it's bringing it back to reality. And Simon, Jason touched on something uh, I want to
0: explore a little further, and that is when they went public. I, nobody feels bad for Twitter, or they shouldn't feel bad for Twitter, because they went public at a time when they could raise a boatload of money. But the other side of that coin is you're also going into a market where expectations are going to be
2: maybe higher than they would have been if you're going public at a time when you're raising a little bit less money. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Chris. And I think everybody wants Twitter to be Facebook, even though these are fundamentally very different companies, Facebook is much more of a social network. I can go on there and post pictures and send gifts to my friends for birthdays. Businesses have their own their own web pages there. I would consider Twitter much more of a social media company. You want to see the updates of the news and also what uh, Kim Kardashian is tweeting with 140 characters or less. But <laughs> I, th- I think the key word here <laughs> is uh, is what Jason was saying. Tell earlier. me you're not following Kim. I, I Kardashian. Have no comment on that any farther, him. but. Uh, Jason, I think, hit the, the key word here, which is engagement. I, I think that this is a battle, uh, just like Starbucks did as the third place away from home and work. I think all of these companies are competing for the five and a half hours a day that we're on the internet. And I think that that Twitter's challenge here is really putting something together that, that users want to use. Well, we talk about Twitter being
0: the second screen. We talk about the second screen phenomena. But last night, I, I was... I couldn't help but notice as I was watching the Wizards playing the Bulls that at the bottom of the screen, at various points during the game, there were tweets that were being shown from different NBA players reacting to the whole controversy with the LA Clippers owner, Don Sterling. and, And I thought, wow, it's... Is this now the third screen? It's you know, it's like people are tweeting, and now television networks are taking the tweets and putting them back on their own
1: screen. Well, yeah, and I think you you key in on something there beyond just users is that uh, you know content creators are using Twitter to their advantage by embedding those tweets or incorporating Twitter into their experience. So whether it's a channel that you're watching or a website that you're visiting, I mean that that is really one of the biggest opportunities out there for Twitter is is that second screen opportunity, and it's it's estimated eighty four percent. Of all smartphone and/or tablet users, use a second screen during during whatever point they're watching any kind of a show, and it, it was it was the reason for the advent of the Nielsen Twitter TV ratings. I mean, there is such a thing, and they go through on a weekly basis, and they measure uh, the behavior of not only viewers but unique tweeters. How many how many uh, tweets are being being sent out at any any given time? And I saw an interesting uh, graphic yesterday in regard to the news. Um, on the L.A. Clippers owner. It was you know looking at the tweets per minute graph, which just really spiked over the course of about 10, 10 to 15 minutes. And so, whether it's the Oscars, I mean, they, they said there were 3.3 billion tweets viewed about the Oscars over the course of the next 48 hours after that, that show. Um, but whether it's the Oscars, whether it's the Olympics, it's sporting events. I mean, Twitter is obviously a very complimentary experience uh, to, to you know the television viewing audience, particularly with with live uh, and unique based events. Uh, it, it just is. It's one of those things where they're working on figuring out how to approach this uh, from the best angle, and they're slowly but surely uh, gaining partners, and those partners are finding more re- return on their investments with Twitter, and I expect it to continue.
0: So you like. This pullback as an opportunity to buy in at a lower price.
1: You know I do. I own shares of Twitter personally and I bought shares of Twitter at about40 dollars uh, you know a few months back when it was actually40 dollars. Uh, I look at today's pullback and I mean to me this makes sense. I like it. I'm, it can always go lower and I'm not saying I'm going out there and clicking the buy button today because obviously I can't, but you know this definitely gets it back on my radar to help build that position out for sure.
0: All right. Let the red ink continue. Shares of eBay down about 5% this morning. First quarter loss, Simon, but how bad
2: was the quarter? Because the loss was really due to uh, a tax charge. Yeah. eBay is deciding that they're going to repatriate about $6 billion from their foreign earnings, Chris. Uh, I think the real big question mark right now, which we didn't get a whole lot of clarification from John Donahoe on this, but how are they going to use that cash? it back into the United States, obviously they've got some kind of plan for this. They haven't been very forthright in telling us what they're going to use that for. Um, if it was me running eBay, I would put as much as I could into their PayPal platform right now mobile payments are just growing at an astronomical rate right now. And PayPal is how eBay is able to capture that. Just to throw some statistics out there, three years ago, eBay did $600 million worth of mobile transactions over PayPal. Last year, that number was $27 billion. It's growing at a much faster rate than eBay's core businesses. I would plow as much money into this thing as I possibly could.
0: Yeah. Our friend and colleague, Joe Mager, tweeted from... Australia. For all the talk about threats to PayPal, its transaction volume has grown above 20% year over year for the past 17 quarters. I mean, I get why mobile payments are exciting, and I get why there are a lot of startups in that area. But it really does seem, with every passing quarter, that PayPal is becoming the biggest kid on the block.
1: I don't know why people... uh... You know, rag on PayPal. I mean, to me, it's it's one of the you know sort of the founders of this of this advent and how we pay for things. The beauty of PayPal is it, it's it's it works with all sorts of different ways you want to pay. I mean, you fund it with your MasterCard or your Visa, or you make uh, just you know, direct payments to, to whomever. So, I mean, yeah, for me, I, I look at PayPal and I see that you know again, this is I mean, global payments speaking. That's just a huge market. It's not going to be like just one winner. Um, but, but when you have a company like PayPal that's helping sort of lead the way, uh, I think you have, to, you have to love that.
0: When you think about the amount of cash that they're bringing back, Simon, is there something other than PayPal that you want to see them? I'm, I'm sure Carl Icahn has some thoughts of what, the, of what, the, of what they should do <laughs> with the cash. And for all we know, he's m- making his thoughts clear to management at eBay. But I'm just wondering if, if there's a way for them to screw it up. There's always a way to screw it up, but I guess my question is how much faith do you have in the current CEO because he seems like he has done a great job in his tenure so far so i'm not I'm not trying to be fatalistic about this but i I do get a little cautious with most CEOs when they have a lot of cash at their disposal because some of them screw it up
2: I agree, Chris, and uh, you know I, I'm not, I don't want to be too critical about the rest of UBS business, but I do think that PayPal is the prime real estate for this company right now. Um, I think that, that that's going to be an, an even bigger issue going forward as what do they do with, with that part of the company. Panera Bread hitting a
0: brand new 52-week low after first quarter profit fell 12%. Their comps were flat. I know they came out in February, Jason, and said, look, the current quarter, results were they lowered guidance. There's
1: got to be a bagel joke in here somewhere. No, right?
0: no. no. <laughs> they came out and said, we're lowering guidance because of the bad weather. And the day they did that, by the way, shares went up. Mm-hmm. So I think we talked about at the time that it was a sign of respect that the investors were paying to Panera and to their management saying, you know what? Yeah, sometimes the dog actually does eat your homework. But I don't think anyone was expecting – the quarter to be this bad, and bad weather can't explain this bad a quarter, can it? Or can it?
1: Uh, no, I, I don't think it can. I mean, I think that you know Panera's Panera's troubles are far more than than just weather related. Um, and, and you know Ron Shake is is uh, acknowledged that. I mean, that's the advent behind the whole Panera Two Point uh, movement to reinvest in the business. But I think you you key in on something. I mean, you look at these results. And when when you look at Panera's top line growth of eight percent and you compare that to something like Chipotle or Buffalo Wild Wings that are growing their top lines at twenty plus percent, I mean this just ain't getting it done. And I mean flat company owned stores, uh comps are, are just I, I I can't fathom what the problem there is. Uh but, you know, I mean they are going to have to really address this mosh pit syndrome it, it, they are going to be investing in this business for some time to come here in order to try to fix all of this, uh, revamp the in-store experience, really focus on throughput, make it a, a bit more of an understandable and an, an easy process going in and, and through the line. Uh, and I think that you know the market's right to to be selling the stock today honestly because it's one thing to say that these are the things that you want to do but they really they have to execute and if it's one thing that, that restaurants uh, will teach us is that they, they can fall as quickly as they rise and it's just is really it's imperative that they have visionary uh, capable leadership and I think that's why you've seen over the years Starbucks and Chipotle perform so well and I think that Ron Shake is the man to get this thing back in the right direction, but again the, you know they have to execute, and that's that's the biggest concern right now
0: yeah, and in case anyone listening is wondering about the mosh pit comment that's from Ron Shake, yeah, he was the one who came out when he introduced this Panera two 2.0 program and said to his credit, our ordering system is a total mess to the point where they he he, he was Poking fun at their operations, saying yeah, and then you you go to one place and place your order, and then you play the game called find your food because <laughs> yeah. like, it, and it really is, it really is troubling. I, when do you expect? And I don't know. if Shake may have given some guidance on this. When do you expect that we're going to see some early indications of how the 2.0 program is working? Because it's great when you, from time to time, we talk about restaurants that will. Undergo a refurbishing program, and it's great. You're throwing some new paint on the walls. You're sprucing things up. That's that's a good thing, but that takes time to roll out. In the case of Panera, it's not just we're going with a new logo or painting, putting a fresh coat of paint on it.
1: They need they need to methodically rework the interior of their restaurants. Yeah, and that's like 1,600 stores and they don't even own all of them, they franchise a number of them. But I think you keyed in on something very important there, is that this is going to be something that not only does does he have to have the vision of what he wants to do, he's basically got to get buy-in from everyone that works for him. Everyone that works at those stores, he's got to get buy-in from them. to, to They need to believe that this is actually the right thing to do, because he's going to be changing their routines and processes around, uh, and so that's another challenge in and of itself. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, what a reasonable timeline to expect this rollout to you know to be completed in? But I, I would suspect they're in the middle of trying to get this thing out sooner rather than later. And, and if you don't see something uh, over the course of the next six months that's that's really a tangible difference, then I'd have to question at least uh, you know whether the execution is really going according to plan.
0: less you think otherwise, not every stock is falling today. <laughs> Shares of Energizer Holdings up fifteen percent after announcing plans to split into two separate publicly traded companies one is the batteries company i didn't realize that they had these other brands uh, banana boat within energize yeah the mm-hmm. other is going to be a personal care company they've got chic razors edge shaving gel the playtex brands and then yeah as you said banana Bo- boat and hawaiian tropic the the sun care lines pretty interesting move and i'm wondering if part of the reason the stock is up like this is because people think that both these companies can succeed because at least i mean these are on their own these are billion dollar companies the the battery division did almost 2 billion in revenue last year the personal care side did 2.6 i don't know
1: I would say, so this is a company that we used to cover in Stock Advisor, and uh, and we unloaded it off the scorecard late last year because of, really, the lackluster uh, performance of particularly the battery side of the business. Um, I think that the market's excited about this news because they're more interested in the personal care side. Uh, that's the side with a, a broader diversity of, of brands and products and uh, better margins. Uh, the battery side is really kind of in a, in a perpetual state of just sort of a slow decline. Uh, so that that would be my guess is the market's excitement first and foremost is about you know getting a hold of that personal care uh, side of the business first. But but you know it's obviously playing out on the stock today.
0: I don't know about you, but I'm absolutely someone who buys the banana boat stuff but i'm bu- I'm not buying the I'm buying the high end and by high end I mean give me the fifty plus s p f you know I'm a pale Irish guy, so I need as much protection as I can possibly get you have a we'll just wrap up with maybe a helpful hint on sun protection sun protection because even though it's pouring rain outside. Hopefully we're going to have a nice beautiful weather and it can be you know or just a tip a su- a summer tip it can be sun care for me it's just lather up people i don't care what color your skin is i don't care how well you tan just load up on the spf because
1: it's just it's just bad
0: it's just bad out there sun is bad for you
1: I, I would say his, you know, as a guy, it's fun to be out, in, but uh, it's just bad for you. As a guy that gets out there on the golf course, is decent, but during the summer, I'm right on board with you there with the uh, the SPF. I mean, I think that's something that uh, is very important. But I think also just I mean, make sure you have a good pair of sunglasses. Don't go out there without some some good eye protection because really, I don't think people uh, understand quite how much damage those UVA uh, rays can do to your uh, UV rays can do to your eyes. So, get Simon, a pair of, do you have uh, a
0: summer
2: shabbles. tip? Texas summer is very hot, Chris. That's where I'm from. Uh, we always put on Bullfrog, and it seemed to work pretty well for me. So, nice. shout okay. out right there. All right, represent
0: Bullfrog. All right, Simon Erickson, Jason Moser, guys, thanks for being here. Nice. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, no buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.